Today on Blue 58, it's redemption time. The Packers need a win to get back on track in their race for supremacy in the NFC North. And fortunately, the Giants look poised to comply. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdig, hoping you're listening to this on your way to scoop up some great deals on Black Friday. I am not shopping. I am hopefully asleep. Wishful thinking. I'm not. But uh, I hope you're finding great deals as you are out and about on this fine Friday. The Giants and the Packers on Sunday. A noon kickoff. Yes. Uh, two and nine Giants. Last place in the NFC East. Not a great first year for head coach Pat Shermer. The Packers, to put this really simply, should win this game. And most of this preview should paint exactly why that is. The Packers are a better team than the Giants. This is one of those should-win games. A game you should easily take care of business and get done. And the Giants don't even really have that many sharp edges that you have to like say, well, they should win, but they got to be aware of fill-in-the-blank. There's just not a lot there for the Giants. Even Saquon Barkley seems a little bit diminished this year, and we will get to that in due course. Let's talk about their offense here just for a second. First, um, the, the real... The story of the Giants' offense can be told pretty simply in the raw counting numbers. Uh, They are 24th in scoring. The point of football is to score points. They don't score points very often. Put a little color to that. Here's another example of of just how their offense is doing so far this year. The Giants are 5th in passing attempts in the league, but just 22nd in passing yards. Overall, 25th in offensive DVOA, according to football outsiders. It's not great, Bob. Um, it's uh, it's not a great output for the Giants uh, so far this year. And that is partly due to rookie quarterback Daniel Jones. The long-running question for, for him, is, as far as I'm concerned, is whether or not it's a good idea to take someone who is your top choice, regardless of where they fall, where your pick falls in the draft. So the Giants obviously like Daniel Jones a lot. They took him in the first round. And they've installed him as their starting quarterback this season. But they took him six overall. And nobody, and I mean nobody, really seemed to think that was a good place to take Daniel Jones. No one really thought he was going to go that high. Maybe late first round if you're extra, extra generous. Is it a good idea to take the guy who is your top choice, who's at the top of your board, at that spot in the draft? The case in favor says, well, you get your guy, full stop. You want to make sure you get the guy that you think is the best player in the draft. And if you're taking him sixth overall, chances are you think he is the best player in the draft. So I get it from that perspective. Take Daniel Jones. Yeah, sure. If you think he's the best guy in the draft, if you think he's that much better than everybody else, take him there. But on the other hand, it is your job as general manager, Dave Gettleman, if you happen to be listening to this show, and I don't know why you wouldn't, um, it is your job as general manager to maximize the value of the resources that you have. And the sixth overall pick is a pretty significant resource. I think we could all agree. So maybe taking him at that spot is not the best idea in the world. As far as what's going on on the field with Daniel Jones, I don't think any of his stats really look particularly bad. Eight interceptions is one that jumps out, but that's not the worst thing in the world 
for a rookie quarterback. The flip side of that is none of his stats look particularly good either. He's completing under 63% of his passes. He's got an 87.8 passer rating, and he's averaging just over five adjusted net yards per attempt. It's just not a great year for him. That's not quite what you'd be hoping for from the sixth overall pick in the draft. So not a lot of threatening information there. Uh, At running back, you've got Saquon Barkley, who is about the most physically imposing high-end back in the NFL right now. We'll talk more about him in a second, but the short for for Barkley is it's a bit of a down year. Um, He's averaging, to throw one number at you right away, just under four yards per carry so far this year. He's been a little bit beat up, and I think you can ask pretty much the same questions about him as you do about Daniel Jones. The Giants took him very high in the draft in 2018. Despite all the, the broad metrics that point to point toward running backs being a poor investment at that point of the draft. But then again, if you think he is the best player in the draft, it is kind of defensible in a way to take him that high. But on the other, like we said earlier, it's your job as the general manager to maximize the value of your resources. You want to get bang for your buck is taking a running back second overall getting the most bang for your draft pick buck. Last year, it looked like maybe it was. This year, not so much. Tight end, Evan Ingram would be the guy to worry about here, but he is dealing with a foot contusion, which just sounds extremely painful. Maybe it's just me. I've kind of got a little bit of a thing about foot injuries. I, I had a strange foot injury once, and I guess just since then it gives me a little bit of the willies. Uh, foot, eyes, and like a broken arm. I had a friend who broke his forearm once kind of gruesomely. Uh, I've never, ugh, just weirds me out just thinking about it. Do not do not want those kind of injuries. Other injuries, less so, even, even more serious sounding stuff. Uh, but the foot contusion just sounds painful. It seems like it would bother you all the time, and it doesn't look right now like he's going to be playing for the Giants on Sunday. It's still... Uh, still could happen, um, but but we'll see. Uh, Rhett Allison has been getting reps in his place. He's averaging 9.3 yards per reception so far this year, so no real big worries there. It looks like, for once, the Packers might not get destroyed by a tight end on defense. At wide receiver, though, um, there may be, may be a little bit of a reason for concern. Uh, the Giants have Golden Tate, the noted Packers killer, dating back all the way to the Fail Mary in 2012 and some good games for the Detroit Lions. He averages for his career five catches for 65 yards in 10 games against the Packers. But he is dealing with a concussion, so he's probably not going to be a Packer uh, problem for the Packers on Sunday. It's not going to be a Packer uh, for the Packers on Sunday either, for that matter. Um, but if you are worried about the Packers giving up chunk plays, you might want to be a bit aware of Darius Slayton, a fifth-round pick this spring. Uh, 6'1", 190, ran 4'3", in the 40-yard dash. So if anybody's going to do damage deep downfield, it would seem to be him. He's averaging 14.9 yards per reception on 31 catches so far this year, too. So he's proven he can get yards in chunks. But that being said, he only has seven catches this year over 20 yards. So it's not like he's rolling up big play after big play. More like consistent medium to uh, slightly longer than medium plays. But still, uh, those have a way of turning into much longer plays against the Packers' defense, so at least be aware of Darius Slayton. On the offensive line, 
you're not finding a whole lot of success uh, for the New York Giants. They are 25th in Football Outsiders adjusted line yard stat. That means they're not clearing a lot of running room for Saquon Barkley or whoever happens to be carrying the ball. They are 23rd in sack percentage. They are not protecting Daniel Jones all that well. Uh, they are 15. Uh, they are 14th in ESPN's uh, pass block win rate stat. Uh, they give up pressure in I think it's two and a half seconds, about 59% of the time, uh, or in less than that, or in more than that. I guess that is considered a win for ESPN. Uh, that's 14th best in the league. So there there are some numbers that say they're not super bad um, in pass protection. I think generally speaking, you could say they're they're less successful than they would hope to be, especially considering the money they gave to Nate Solder to sign him away from the Patriot this spring. He does not seem to have solved their pass protection problems. On the defensive side, they are 29th in scoring. They give up the 26th most passing yards, 22nd most rushing yards. They are 27th in DVOA on the defensive side of the ball, 27th against the pass, 14th against the run. Their defensive line, though they play a 3-4, does not scare a whole lot of people. Uh, They're just 39th or 25th, excuse me, winning 39% of the time in pass rush win rate. Uh, Not great there. But they do have a couple real big dudes on the defensive line, which is a good place to start if you are running a 3-4 defense, which the New York Giants now are. First and foremost, Dalvin Tomlinson, 6'3", 318 pounds, is 2.5 sacks so far this year. Then you've got the monster rookie, Dexter Lawrence, out of Clemson, 17th overall pick this spring, 6'4", 342 Pounds, according to Pro Football Reference, you may see some other numbers elsewhere. But even if it's even if it's a little bit different, that's still a pretty big individual. And coming off a game where Corey Lindsley and a couple other interior Packers defensive linemen got pushed around a little bit, especially Lindsley, in a way that we don't see terribly often against the 49ers, you may want to keep an eye on what the Giants do against the Packers offensive interior. If the Packers are going to break down on offense, that could be the danger zone this week, especially with Billy Turner potentially kicking out to right tackle. And I should say, it is Tuesday night when I'm recording this. We're going to be doing some traveling this week. So if things have changed on the right side of the Packers offensive line and that information is out of date, I do ask your forgiveness. But um, if the Packers, that, that doesn't change the overall point that I think if the Packers do break down up front, it'll be on the interior, though that right tackle spot will be a little bit of a question mark. That'll be a matchup worth watching. Lindsley, Jenkins, and whoever is at right guard, either Turner or Lucas Patrick, uh, going up against Tomlinson and Lawrence. In a 3-4 defense, linebacker is kind of where it's at. Those edge rushers need to to be dynamite for that defense to work. Uh, and they're getting at least one good season from one of their edge rushers. That would be Marcus Golden. He is their top pass rushing dog so far this year. He's got a production ratio of 1.59. Tops on the team and the only one over that figure of 1.0 that we will look for. He has seven and a half sacks so far this season. Nobody else on the Giants has more than three and a half this year. He also has 16 quarterback hits. Nobody else on the Giants has more than nine. So he is really their only significant threat as a pass rusher, at least statistically speaking, so far this year. Among their defensive backs, two names to be aware of. Janoris Jenkins, who makes just so much money. 17 ball hawks so far this year. He does get his hands on the ball with astonishing regularity. Then we've got to talk about Jabril Peppers, who came over in the Odell Beckham Jr. trade. He has nine ball hawks so far this year. He's getting his hands on the ball fairly regularly, but he is a bit banged up too and may not play on Sunday. 
it's interesting to think about him um, because when he came out of Michigan, people were not sure what to do with him. A good athlete, uh, but he kind of played that hybrid safety linebacker position in college already. And people talked about him coming out like he was going to just change football. He's a good athlete. Is he going to play offense? Is he going to play defense? Wherever he plays, he's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame by year two or three. Maybe he just retires right now and we just start that clock going for Canton. Football is going to be different after we get to the Jabril Peppers era. Well, if people were talking about him changing football, it hasn't changed all that much as a result of Jabril Peppers so far. The, the That could change, but at least so far, he has not altered the game of football. Um, so that is just one more point of evidence to take pre-draft hype with at least a small grain of salt. In terms of player to watch, players to watch on the Giants, we have to circle back, I think, to Saquon Barkley to further our discussion of him. Uh, we, we talk a little bit philosophically about whether or not it's a good idea to take a running back where they did. That part of the Saquon Barkley story is over. They've got him. Now... What do you do with him? Well, he is having what I think you can fairly call an objectively bad year. And that's what happens when you're a running back. There's not much else going on. Averaging 3.9 yards per carry. Yeah, some of that might not be his fault, but he's just not performing that well. He's breaking tackles about half as often as he did last year. He's getting about a yard less on average after contact. He's been hurt, so you give him a little bit of a pass, but it just hasn't been a great year, too, for Barkley. But they're also using him kind of weirdly. weirdly. And just look at how he's being used in the passing game as evidence of that. He had 91 catches last year. This year, just 35. Uh, last year, he produced 30 first downs in the passing game. This year, it's just 30 first downs through 11 games total. Why the change? New regime there, sure, but it, it seems like he should be doing better. Uh, even if they're using him incorrectly, sure, a guy as talented as he is should be should be having a better season. Injuries certainly play a, a role in that, but you wonder what's going on there. What's what's the problem? Last time the Packers and Giants played was roughly one thousand years ago. Um, it, it really was not that long ago, but it feels that way. January eighth, two thousand seventeen, a Sunday, four forty p.m. kickoff at Lambeau Field. This was a playoff game, the last home playoff game of the Mike McCarthy era, uh, because the next week they would go on to play the Dallas Cowboys, and then the week after that get shellacked by the Atlanta Falcons, and then you had the 2017 season where Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone, and then, well, you know the story from there. This was the last time the Packers played at home in the playoffs, I guess at all, and uh, the last time under Mike McCarthy, for sure. The the final score is 38-13 to 13 in favor of the Packers, but that kind of um, undersells a little bit how poorly the Packers started out this one. And I, early on, he almost wondered if they were going to just lose this game. Jordy Nelson gets hurt early on, breaks his ribs. He's done for the game, wouldn't come back until the NFC Championship game. And the Packers were just blah to start. Uh, No drive that gained longer than 35 yards in their first five tries with the football. Only one drive that lasted longer than four plays. It was not a good start. But then, late in the second quarter, they score a touchdown. 
They get the ball back with a minute 38 seconds to go in the first half, and Aaron Rodgers completes that Hail Mary pass to Randall Cobb. They start a bit slow in the second half, but then late in the third quarter, into the fourth quarter, four drives in a row, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown. Suddenly it's a laugher, and the Packers are on to the divisional round. That is the last time the Packers and Giants played, and given how much has changed with both teams since then, it just feels like that is so so long ago. So what's going to happen in this one? I would like to build this one up as the a game the Packers really have a shot at losing, and that may be true. There may be a situation here where Saquon Barkley really goes nuts and uh, tears the Packers up, and boy, they just just uh, just lay it to the Packers, and uh, the Packers really fall on their face again. But really, this comes across as a really favorable matchup for the Packers. The Giants don't defend the pass well. Uh, they don't rush the passer particularly well. Uh, they're just vulnerable enough against the run that you think you could get some stuff going there. They don't really have anybody who super scares you on offense, even as good as Saquon Barkley can be. It kind of seems like a get-well game for the Packers, one that you'll look back at on Monday and see, ah, say, yeah, maybe it's not all that bad. Maybe... That game against the 49ers was just the low point in the season, and they're going to put it together from here on out, and uh, and we'll really have something when playoff time comes around. I don't know about all that stuff that could happen after a Packers win, but I do believe that we are going to be celebrating a Packers win on Monday. Give me the Packers 30, uh, Giants 17 on Sunday. The Packers cruise to their ninth win of the season. Let me know your thoughts while you're out and about Black Friday shopping. I'd love to hear your predictions for this game as well, because that's all I've got for you on this episode. I do appreciate you listening in. Appreciate everybody takes the time every time we release an episode to uh, to download and give us a listen. If you like what you heard and want to help us keep this going, leave us a rating and review wherever you happen to be listening, even if that's someplace like YouTube. Give this a thumbs up. Subscribe to The Power Sweep on YouTube. Uh, That helps a lot of people find the show and helps us do more great things um, in our process here. Uh, if you want to do more to support the show, check out our support page at thepowersweep.com. That will give you all the information you need um, to support what we're doing here. And don't forget uh, to say hello. Reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Uh, leave us a, a question, a comment, something that moves the conversation along because all of that is going to further our mission of helping everyone become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.